Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, February 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Over the weekend, we saw tougher government sanctions on Moscow and a stunning corporate move to divest from Russia after it invaded Ukraine. We'll also talk with the FT's John Thornhill about what this invasion says about the limits of Russia's cyber warfare. Cyber weapons can amplify or complement other forms of uh, power, but they are not a substitute for them. They can't achieve things on their own. So I think hard power still counts. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The world's biggest sovereign wealth investor, Norway's oil fund, has been instructed to freeze all new investments in Russia immediately. It'll also start unwinding its existing $3 billion worth of Russian holdings. This is part of a wider package of support for Ukraine. And in the UK, oil major BP announced that it will divest its 20% stake in Russian state oil company Rosneft. We spoke to the FT's Tom Wilson about that. This move is absolutely huge. And if you'd asked me three days ago, uh, completely unexpected. BP's been in Russia for 30 years and it's held this stake in Rosneft for almost a decade. Up up until very, very recently, I mean, when you would ask BP about its Rosneft stake, which has always been contentious, BP would say that they're in Russia for business, not for politics. But really, in the last four days when we've seen the brutality of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Um, on Friday, we reported that Chief Executive Bernd Looney had been called in to see a senior British cabinet member who, who expressed his unease with BP's stake in the business. And then 48 hours later, we've got this announcement. So Tom, how exactly will BP go about divesting its stake? That's going to be very difficult. What BP said yesterday was that it was planning to divest, but it didn't specify how or when it might do that. And as I said, they've really got three options. They can either write off the shareholding completely and walk away. They could try and sell it back to Rosneft, which they might do. And if Rosneft agreed, they would pay a huge discount. Um, Or thirdly, they might try and find another buyer. So when I speak to people in the industry, they've speculated that the only entities that might be interested in taking a state with Rosneft, given all that geopolitical risk and the optics, might be an East Asian parastatal or potentially a Middle Eastern group. But there aren't any easy options. Is this expected to hurt Rosneft? So short term, the immediate impact on on Rosneft is is not significant. BP was a 20% shareholder, but a minority shareholder. It was a passive shareholder. So they weren't actually collaborating together on specific projects. So Rosneft can continue to um, pump oil from its oil projects and continue to sell that that oil on on the international market. So it doesn't hurt immediately, but long term, it that does huge damage to Rosneft's reputation as a viable partner for inter- international companies. And Rosneft has a whole series of other relationships and joint ventures with other Western entities. And those relationships are now going to come under, under huge scrutiny. Um, so we'll see what happens in the following days and whether other companies like the uh, oil traders Trafigur and Vitol, who both have joint ventures with Rosneft uh, in the Russian Arctic. We'll see whether how they respond to BP's decision, whether they do something similar. Tom Wilson is the FT's senior energy correspondent.
In another important response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the U.S. and Western allies unveiled tough financial sanctions. The EU said it will expel some Russian banks from the major international bank payments network called SWIFT, and the U.S. and European allies announced plans to block Russia's central bank from using its foreign reserves. This would hurt Moscow's ability to shore up its economy and prevent Moscow from getting around existing sanctions. Here's our U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith, with more. So the aim of these sanctions is to really cut off the country from the global financial system and to make it almost impossible for the country to also support its currency. Uh, so what these sanctions do, they really undermine the ability of Russia to circumvent some of the sanctions that have already been put in place against some of the biggest banks uh, and, and other leadership. So it's a really important moment in the U.S. and, and Western alliances response to this crisis. So, Colby, how would Russia have circumvented some of the sanctions already in place? And and how does this move against the central bank prevent that? One uh, tactic is Russia could have used uh, its roughly $630 billion uh, stockpile of foreign reserves. And essentially, uh, those reserves could have been used to support the economy and shield it from some of the costs associated with the sanctions. So essentially, if there was, let's say, downward pressure on the currency, which we've seen, the central bank could, you know, use its reserves in order to prop up the ruble. And now uh, what these sanctions essentially do is it prevents the central bank from easily being able to do this. One important counterpoint is the fact that the country has a very high current account surplus that's been amassed due to significant energy exports. So that's going to provide it some protection. But Russia's central bank is going to be quite hamstrung by these new uh, restrictions. Has Russia responded at all to this, Colby? So we don't know the kind of full financial fallout from these sanctions, and and we might get a better uh, sense when uh, we see trading resume on Monday. But the central bank has sought to quell any kind of financial panic and have said, you know, they have sufficient resources to ensure that they can support the currency and uh, ensure that there isn't a destabilizing run on the banks. That's the real impact here is, is what this more broadly means for Russia's financial system and the economy as a whole. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Thanks, Colby. Thank you. Shares in cybersecurity companies like CrowdStrike and Cloudflare jumped last week as companies around the world rushed to boost their cyber defenses. Spurring this was the discovery in Ukraine of a wiper malware, a kind of cyber weapon that permanently deletes data on infected computers. Now, Ukraine has long been one of Russia's top targets for cyber attacks, part of Moscow's effort to undermine Ukraine. But the FT's John Thornhill says the current military invasion speaks to the limits of cyber warfare. He joins me now to talk more about this. Hey, John. Hi there, Mark. So, John, in addition to being our current innovation editor, you are our former FT Moscow bureau chief. Um, So you have an idea of what has happened in the past when it comes to Russia and cyber warfare. Can you walk me through that? Yes. So I was uh, actually in Russia in the 1990s. I was there for six years and I left pretty much when Putin came to power. And I had an interview with Putin in 1999 when he was prime minister taking over. And I mean, how he has developed over the past 20 years is extraordinary. When he came in, he was very much, uh, he styled himself as a westernizing figure. He 
talked about how Russia's mission was to be part of Europe and the broader world. And he's come on a very long journey since then. One of the things that he has really focused on is cyber as a means of projecting power. Uh, that I think he thinks that um, there is an asymmetry in power in the world. The Russia is still a relatively small economy, certainly compared to America and the rest of Europe. Uh, but cyber does give him asymmetrical power, which is why the Russians have spent a, a lot of money investing in their cyber capabilities um, and both offensive and defensive. So, John, if Putin puts so much stock in a cyber warfare approach, why are we seeing a military approach right now when it comes to Ukraine? Well, I think that's a fascinating thing. I mean, Russia has effectively been waging cyber war against Ukraine since 2014 after the Maidan revolution and Viktor Yanukovych got thrown out. Uh, and they have deployed all of the uh, kind of uh, Russian arsenal of uh, cyber weapons against Ukraine. But I think in a way it highlights the limitations of cyber power. I mean, it has been incredibly effective in some senses in taking down kind of airports or banks or government ministries uh, temporarily. But the Ukrainian system has been relatively resilient and it hasn't achieved Putin's strategic goals, which are to really to kind of undermine Ukraine and uh, to change the course of its politics. So I think the fact that Putin has now decided to send in military force shows that cyber weapons can amplify or complement other forms of uh, power, but they are not a substitute for them. They can't achieve things on their own. So I think hard power still counts. So what could cyber warfare's role be in this ongoing conflict in Ukraine and as well as when the international community gets more involved? I think the honest answer to that is no one has a clue. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of uh, experts on cyber who think there is a, a certain pattern that this will follow, which is namely that both sides are going to be quite wary of doing anything terrible to the other because of fear of what the other side can do. But given that we are now in a pretty open conflict situation, I think it's extraordinarily difficult to predict in which way this is going to go. So I think it's going to be very intriguing to see how this plays out. John Thornhill is our former Moscow bureau chief and our current innovation editor. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.